Welcome to a new episode of Trump Watch Sussex, where we talk about the backstory on all things Donald Trump. My name is Melissa Mulevsky, and I'm a lecturer in American history at the University of Sussex. My guest today is Daniel Geary, who's an associate professor in American history at Trinity College, Dublin. He works on American politics, um, society, and culture. And today, he's going to be talking about Donald Trump as America's second celebrity president, putting Trump in the context of our first uh, celebrity president, Ronald Reagan, and thinking about how Trump's past as a celebrity, um, both in the world of reality TV and in the world of tabloid journalism, has shaped um, his presidency. So welcome, Dan. Thank you so much um, for, for joining us from Dublin today. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to be here. So I wanted to just start off by thinking about celebrities in politics. Increasingly, we seem to be seeing more and more celebrities um, entering politics. Why are celebrities um, such as Donald Trump, but um, many others, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be another kind of example, or why are they increasingly having success in politics? Or is, is this new? Yes, I think it is new. Um, and I think it has to do with... Um, you know, sort of some fundamental shifts in American politics and culture as the kind of the worlds of um, mass entertainment and mass politics are coming together so that, um, you know, for example, I mean, obviously, it's only since the 1950s and 60s that television has played a central role in politics. Uh, you also have the sort of the breakup of the old political party system um, you know, where leaders were, were decided at uh, conventions rather than in open contests. Um, and in that kind of arena, someone with the name recognition of a celebrity, you know, has a certain advantage. And I suppose another thing that's happened since the 1970s is there's just a general dissatisfaction with the political system. And so someone who's a celebrity can claim to be, you know, an outsider or something, someone coming from, um, you know, a different place in the, uh, in the power structure who can, uh, you know, can claim to to want to clean up uh, politics. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's very interesting. Let's go back um, in time to our first celebrity president, as as you've termed it, um, Ronald Reagan. So I know that you um, are drawing from a theory that um, another scholar named Michael Rogan um, has made about Reagan um, as. Uh, as being shaped by his celebrity as a celebrity president. What does Rogan, Rogan argue about Reagan as a celebrity president? Yeah, so I mean, I think this is a really important article people should go back and read now that we've got uh, Trump in power. Uh, it was published in 1986 called uh, Ronald Reagan, the movie. Uh, and what it does is it traces, um, you know, Reagan's uh, Hollywood career uh, and I suppose the development of his personality and persona um, you know, to the film roles that he played, uh, and then seeing that as shaping the person that he would, you know, would play in, in a sense as uh, as president. I mean, he argues quite, uh, you know, in, in that piece, which I think is, is somewhat irrefutable, that Reagan became president because of film. Um, you know, that is to say, if you didn't have 
uh, you know, the ability to uh, record, you know, visually record uh, what people were doing. You'd never have Ronald Reagan as a public figure. And uh, because of the role of film in politics, it enabled Reagan to make a particular kind of crossover. But he, Rogan, I think, also looks quite specifically at the kind of roles that uh, that Reagan played. I mean, Reagan was a, a Hollywood actor, but, but uh, generally, at least in his... Uh, major roles was, uh, you know, kind of a secondary character, uh, often someone who was quite vulnerable, um, who, you know, in his most famous roles, you know, he plays a, a, a football running back who, you know, dies of cancer, but inspires the team. You know, in another one, he's amputated from the waist down and he wakes up and says, you know, where's the rest of me, which he line which he used for his autobiography um and so reagan was somewhat frustrated i think in in hollywood wanted to play the leading man got to play that as president but because he had this sort of sense of vulnerability you know affability uh it made him someone that uh you know americans felt like they could relate to you know rather than someone who was kind of a you know larger than life hollywood star and so how did these roles so oftentimes being kind of the um, second, secondary kind of character, but also coming from this milieu of kind of an old Hollywood and kind of these classic films. Do you think, and does Rogan believe that this significantly affected his presidency as well as well as being able to be elected president? Yeah, I mean, Rogan pointed some, some things out, which people, to some extent, I think people have, you know, people, everybody knows, of course, that Reagan was a Hollywood actor, but people have forgotten that as a kind of a key, key part of his um, his presidency. And, uh, you know, Rogan pointed some things out that hadn't been well known before then, such as that, uh, you know, Reagan had started a 1940 movie that had a defense system that was similar to uh, the sort of the Star Wars or SDI program that uh, Reagan supported when he was president, uh, despite the nearly unanimous um, scientific consensus that, you know, the thing just wouldn't work. Um, and Reagan also, you know, had a habit of, um, you know, speaking old film lines, often unattributed and generally just confusing, um, uh, you know, the kind of the world of fantasy with reality. He would often say things presented as truth that were, were inaccurate, but had appeared perhaps in some movie he had starred in or seen, um, you know, so, uh, uh, Rogan pointed out that in, you know, in, in, in Reagan's presidency, there was a sort of persistent confusion between fantasy and reality. And Rogan doesn't quite say this, but I think it's, it's consistent with his argument that, uh, I mean, if you think about Reagan's appeal, uh, I mean, the previous president had been Jimmy Carter, who, you know, was obviously widely seen as uh, ineffective, at least by the end of his term. But Carter had gone to the American people and he'd given this crisis of confidence speech and said, look, we, you know, we have to face up to, to the very serious problems our country has. And Reagan was something different entirely. I mean, he lived in a he kind of lived in a different sphere of uh, of fantasy, and uh, I think made people feel good about themselves in parts by you know um, uh, escaping, addressing what were you know were, were various serious uh, issues. And, and Rogan certainly does say this by sort of distracting uh, the public from the fact that Reagan's policies really served a, uh, the agenda of a quite specific. Uh, you know, group of of power elites, uh, especially the kind of the um, corporations and the military industrial complex who, you know, did extremely well from from Reagan's tax cuts and military buildup. That's very interesting. Um, Let's let's turn now um, to thinking about Donald Trump Um, and thinking about Trump as possibly our second celebrity president. Um, I want to 
maybe start off at the beginning. So how Trump is functioning in this world um, of as a celebrity before coming president. So I understand that he was very involved in kind of the tabloid um, journalism um, world before becoming president. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that when I started to look into this, I thought first, okay, well, you know, I knew the Rogan argument. I thought, well, Trump is coming from reality television. And of course, that's partly true. But if you go back into Trump's career, uh, I mean, he obviously he was a, you know, real estate developer um, in uh, New York City. But, um, you know, we don't, you know, he, you know, he wasn't necessarily even the, the most well known of those. And I mean, how many real estate developers, you know, can you name uh, in the US? I mean, the reason why he's well known is not for his business, but because he, you know, sort of actively sought um, media attention, specifically through, you know, as you say, the the tabloid press. Um, you know, he uh, had a kind of genius uh, and uh, almost limitless appetite for, you know, uh, public attention going so far as, uh, you know, pretend, he invented this character, his publicist, and pretended, you know, and uh, called up uh, journalists, tab New York tabloid journalists, and pretending to tell them about, or actually telling them about details of of uh, of you know Trump's um, salacious uh, you know romantic life uh, and the like. So you know, I mean, he really wanted to be on the pages of these um, newspapers, even if it was not always in the most uh, well, what most people would think of the most uh, flattering terms. And it's really through the uh, controversy when he leaves his his first wife. Then this is you know plastered all over the New York tabloids and get picked up by the you know the national press um, and make Trump kind of into you know a national celebrity figure uh, along with his ghostwritten uh, you know best selling uh, book uh, The Art of the Deal, um, you know which. Uh, it turns out Trump didn't write very much of it all, but, uh, you know, presents him in a certain kind of image. So, yeah, I mean, I think Trump is someone who uh, was aware of the means of, um, you know, reaching people through the tabloid press. Uh, he exploited that. And the tabloid press is, I mean, there's always been to some extent, um, you know, something of that nature, but it really is on, on the rise during uh, the period that Trump's becoming famous, which of course is the period when Reagan is president in the 1980s, uh, as a result of, you know, um, uh, deregulation, um, and I suppose the sort of the breakdown, uh, to an extent of trust in the establishment, which, you know, carries over to the, to the mainstream news as well. And the fact that news is now bec becoming seen, especially in terms of television, you know, not simply as a public service, but as something that, you know, uh, has a lot of ratings. And so you get, um, you know, a new kind of, the tabloid techniques, if you like, uh, you know, bleeding into the regular nightly news, as well as, you know, the kind of Maury Povich, you know, tabloid news uh, types programs as well, you know, all of which, uh, you know, really featured uh, Trump. Interesting. So this is kind of his, his initial foray kind of as a celebrity, becoming a celebrity in the, in the tabloids. But he then becomes even a larger celebrity through reality television, um, isn't that right? Is there anything you think is particularly kind of important um, about thinking of him as a celebrity within the reality television world? Absolutely. I mean, he, um, yeah, so he starts, uh, you know, as a, uh, he gets into reality television on The Apprentice uh, as the kind of star of that uh, show, um, you know, 
you know, this after the 1990s and Trump's kind of, you know, bankruptcies, he sort of faded from the from the public eye. Uh, this is a chance for him to rehabilitate his uh, public image, you know, to appear as a sort of a powerful, um, you know, business person who gets to decide at the end of each episode who's fired. Uh, that's the famous line from that. Uh, You're fired. And, uh, you know, this is a show is a huge success, success, puts him back in the in the public view uh, and gives him the platform to, you know, ultimately run for president. So if there's no Trump on The Apprentice, you know, there's no Trump as president uh, either. And I think he was debating, you know, whether to continue on The Apprentice or run for president. And some have speculated that uh, the, his presidential run was initially in part a kind of negotiating tactic by Trump because he was unhappy with um, the television network's offer of how much they were going to pay him the next season. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it's easy to forget this, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, the, the president is someone who he, he really was deciding whether to appear on a reality show or run for president. Um, and you know, here he is as, uh, as president. One thing about reality television is it's very much, it's meant to kind of appear as reality. That's part of the name of it, right? But it's also very much scripted um, and um, and decided ahead of time for the purposes of drama. Um, and things like that. And I guess Trump is also coming out of that world where um, it's appearing like reality, but it's oftentimes not, not truly reality. And it's a competition um, oftentimes as well, um, isn't it? Where different characters are being... Um, pitted against each other and to see who wins. Absolutely. I mean, both those features, I think, are, are pretty key to, to Trump's presidency and his persona. I mean, the first one, this sort of, I mean, reality television, it, it appeals to viewers, I think, who feel, um, you know, who want a, a, a greater sense of reality from television that, you know, um, rather than sort of, you know, hokey scripted, um, you know, dramas, uh, but on the other hand, like you say, it pretends to be, you know, real, but obviously these shows are, they're set up to produce certain effects, you know, certain kinds of personalities are, uh, you know, uh, selected for them, and then they're edited in certain ways. So, you know, the reason, you know, clearly, I think they wanted Trump for this is because he was, uh, uh, you know, already had shown himself to be a kind of an outrageous, you know, character, uh, and would make for very good uh, television. Um, and, you know, obviously he's slotted into a very particular role, you know, one that's quite flattering to him in these shows that, that makes him appear as kind of a, you know, a, a big business tycoon, uh, at a time when, you know, maybe his business hadn't been doing so well. And, you know, but it, it's certainly the question of whether people in the show themselves, you know, are aware that they're, you know, to what extent they're actually you know showing a real side of themselves or to what extent they're they're being sort of manipulated by the television producer, producers is another question and i think you know to some extent trump uh was confused in his own mind about the image that he presented on the apprentice and you know who he donald trump himself uh actually is uh, now the second feature you mentioned in terms of this is yeah it's a game show i mean this guy mark burnett who did the the show the survivor which was the first really big game show uh reality show in in the u.s um, and it reflects the kind of world of, you know, winners and losers, a uh, very stark world of, um, you know, related to the kind of, you know, intense inequalities that uh, you're beginning to see um, steep back into American society in the, in the 1990s and, and 2000s, uh, and very much of a piece of Trump's own, you know, worldview. 
Uh, Trump loves to talk about sort of winners and losers. And when his campaign, he said, well, the, you know, America never wins anymore um, and portrays himself, you know, through the show, certainly as the kind of the ultimate winner, the guy who always wins because he gets to sit in judgment and decide who's who's fired or not. But I think at at some uh, level, um, you know, there's an, uh, a tremendous anxiety on Trump's part that uh, that maybe he's not a winner. You know, maybe he's uh, uh, he's a loser uh, because he had a very tough, you know, father, his older brother uh, ended up uh, dying basically of alcoholism, but mainly because he never got his uh, Trump's father's respect. And Trump was trying to always please his father, so a man who was more or less, you know, uh, uh, could never be satisfied. So at, at some point he must be, I, I think he's afraid that he he might not really be a winner, but he gets to, to act out as a winner on the on the apprentice. Very interesting. So I guess I want to think now about perhaps the most important question, which is how this background in, in tabloid journalism, kind of manipulating the tabloids to get as much press as possible, this background in reality TV on the apprentice, how is that affecting, in your view, Trump's presidency? How does that shape who he is as a president? Well, I think that, uh, you know, first of all, it must be said that he's, he, re he remains um, you know, insatiable in his desire for uh, media attention and, uh, you know, a, kind of a genius at, uh, at, at, at attracting it. I think as one of the heads of the, one of the networks, you know, admitted that uh, after the election, I said, well, you know, Trump, this is something like Trump is bad for democracy, but he's great for television. Uh, you know, because he's always doing something, you know, and you have this 24 hour, uh, you know, media news cycle that's always looking for some, you know, news story to report. Uh, and Trump is, you know, always doing something to attract uh, attention. Uh, and the other thing to say is that uh, often what's being reported about Trump has, you know, uh, relatively little basis in his actual, you know, policy role as, uh, you know, as president. Um, it's, you know, often just something he said or something he did uh, that doesn't necessarily, you know, reflect any particular policy that he's proposing or, you know, can can get forward. So, I mean, he's, he seems to have a, <clears throat> a very <clears throat> thin grasp on public policy altogether uh, and to be mainly interested in, in playing this uh, public role. But I think it's it's interesting to contrast him to Reagan because, uh, you know, Reagan, he was a Hollywood star. He came from, you know, scripted entertainment. And Reagan was very clear that his role was to play, you know, the leading man. Uh, Reagan didn't see it as his, uh, except on, a, you know, a few cases like uh, Star Wars, where he had a kind of a pet project. Uh, but for the most part, Reagan let his policy advisors, you know, sort out the policy, uh, write the script, tell him what to say. Uh, and he would play the role. He'd play, play it brilliantly. So he knew he was the actor. He wasn't the, you know, the director. He wasn't the screenwriter. Whereas Trump, and I think this is partly coming out of reality television, where there's a kind of, can be a confusion on the part of, you know, people acting in them that they, they think they're really playing themselves rather than, you know, um, taking place, you know, playing a particular role in a larger framework that's set by others. I mean, Trump, I think, is not comfortable being told by others what to do. He has to feel like he's really in charge. Um, you know, so unlike Reagan, he's not just going to take the advice of, uh, you know, the people around him in terms of, of what to say. Um, he has to constantly assert the fact that, uh, you know, that he really is the one uh, in charge here. It's a very interesting difference. So the actual 
kind of medium of the media that they come out of, Reagan coming out of um, old Hollywood, where he actually is doing a film role and Trump coming out of reality television. Um, those actual mediums are actually shaping how they're, how they're seeing the presidency and how they're functioning. Um, fascinating. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, even though you know, the media was shifting uh, in Reagan's time, uh, and to some extent, Reagan was a throwback to an earlier kind of consensus culture. But, you know, if you look at the news media at the time, I mean, people still were watching in the U.S., you know, the, the three main, you know, network news, you know, nightly news. Um, you know, you didn't have this kind of, you know, 24-hour news media and, uh, you know, so I suppose highly highly partisan kind of channels uh, either that you have um, today. So, I mean, I think that the news media looks a lot more like... Um, you know, and they borrowed techniques from, from reality television, but it looks a lot more like the world of reality television where, you know, the shows that are big often, you know, have, uh, you know, commentators, you know, who will sort of say the most, uh, you know, outrageous things, uh, you know, get very worked up over this or that uh, versus an earlier period where, you know, you had this kind of the the older, you know, white man who was very sort of moderate and respectable and would, would kind of tell you, um, you know, uh, what the truth of the matter was. So this is all really kind of important, I think, and I'm just thinking about some different examples in Trump's presidency, where it oftentimes seems, um, thinking back to kind of The Apprentice, um, where he's pitting people against each other. Um, I'm also kind of thinking back towards kind of the Supreme Court nomination, where he kind of left it kind of, um, who is he going to pick and had a lot of drama there. Do you think the way that he's actually kind of running um, his cabinet and running kind of his administrators is similar in some ways um, to a reality television show? Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's true. I mean, in the, in the sense that, um, you know, like you say, he always, you know, will I'll tell the media, well, I'll, I'll tell you this next week, you know, what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, the way that he creates this kind of drama around himself of his various advisors is certainly true as well. Uh, and that's one, one way in which he, you know, constantly needs to reassert his kind of control of things is to, you know, let people go, <laughs> um, you know, uh, fire them, you know, someone's in, someone's out. Um, so I think his administration is kind of run, you know, to some degree, like, uh, like a reality show. Uh, although I suppose we shouldn't be we shouldn't let ourselves be distracted by that to a certain extent, because to my mind, even though, you know, it's quite interesting, the, um, you know, Trump's persona says a lot, I think, about the where we are, you know, in terms of politics and, and, and culture in our time. But the most significant thing that's that's happened in policy terms in the Trump administration was the, you know, the massive um, tax cut bill, uh, which got not very much uh, public attention, really. I mean, there's been so much more attention paid to, um, you know, Trump as this uh, guy who's tweeting, you know, crazy stuff in the middle of the night, and you know, then he's uh, he's got one advisor in, he's, he's uh, kicking another advisor out, you know, so that kind of palace intrigue uh, reality show is, is occupying people's uh, attention, you know, in, in, in the meantime, things are actually being done um, uh, that... Uh, I think are well. They are. They are. They are by the polling numbers very unpopular, but they're also very harmful to the majority of Americans, uh, and they're not getting the same kind of discussion. So I don't know that this is. It's certainly not Trump's plan, although it may be that uh, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell are aware that this is the best way they can they can sort of use Trump to get the the kind of their unpopular agenda uh, across. Is that that Trump serves as a kind of a 
a distraction from uh, the actual policies that are being pursued in a way that's similar to what Reagan did as well. Although Reagan was, um, Reagan put a sort of a likable, friendly face on things, uh, on, on policies that might have been unpopular, whether, whereas Trump uh, is quite unpopular himself, uh, but simply, you know, sucks up all the, the kind of media oxygen with his um, outrageous antics, um, you know, allowing a lot of these policies to go through without um, adequate scrutiny. Thank you. I think that's a really important point that you've made that all these skills that he has gained in his past kind of in this celebrity world do allow um, him to control the media, but they can be quite problematic when we don't notice everything that's going on when um, the media is so under his spell. I just want to kind of um, to finish by kind of thinking about, I mean, are there limits um, in thinking about um, Trump? Um, as a celebrity president, or are there um, additional ways that you think that this can help us understand the Trump presidency better? Well, I think that the, uh, I think it explains a lot about the Trump uh, persona, um, if you like, but uh, obviously there's more than just that going on um, you know, w- with Trump uh, in general, and there are things that would be true in, you know, the Republican Party, regardless of, you know, um, who was in charge. So, I mean, in terms of his, um, you know, the kind of signature things that you think of with Trump, the, you know, sort of strident anti-immigrant uh, rhetoric uh, and the kind of, uh, you know, appeals to white nationalism, uh, the kind of the economic protectionism and the rejection of um, you know, free trade. Uh, I mean, all these things I think are, they reflect a, a, a larger movement uh, than Trump himself. And to some degree, you know, um, some of the people like Steve Bannon, uh, who are part of that wing of the Republican Party, may be wishing now that they had a better, you know, uh, spokesperson for themselves than, than Donald Trump. So in a long line, it's more Ronald Reagan, who kind of stuck to the script a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the mainstream Republican Party or, you know, um, at least the, the congressional Republicans now or the traditional Republicans who have a very uh, who have a somewhat different agenda and they never liked Trump in the first place. Um, you know, so I think these these political divisions, um, you know, that you see are, you know, they're there and they would be there regardless of who was in uh, who was in office. Um, and it's always a problem to you know, make things too much about the personality of a, of a single president, I think, because there are deeper dynamics at work. But I think as, uh, well, as I tried to suggest, you know, that, uh, you know, the Trump's, the fact that Trump's presidency is not just about, you know, Trump being this, uh, obviously, uh, one of a kind personality, but it's about a broader, you know, sort of um, shift in American culture that, you know, produces something like uh, reality television and a world where, you know, because of changes in, in mass entertainment and politics, the two are just much closer together. So uh, Rogan said that about Reagan. It wasn't, you know, um, there is Reagan. He's a very particular person. But the fact that you had a Hollywood person elected as president was not just some random occurrence, but was something to become possible because of all these uh, transformations. And I think that's that's true with Trump as well. I mean, he is a uh, quite a singular personality and it still seems incredibly unlikely that he'd be elected president. But the fact that this was possible at all, is, you know, I think we owe to these, to some of these larger shifts. Yeah. I think that's all very interesting and important to kind of put it within the larger context of shifts going on in media um, and in society. 
I just want to finish um, our conversation today by thinking about the future of celebrities and politics. Um, fairly recently, there was a lot of talk about um, perhaps Oprah uh, running for president on the Democratic ticket, and it seems that increasingly um, celebrities are becoming interested in um, politics. Um, what do you think is the future um, for celebrities? Are we going to see more and more celebrities like like Trump and Oprah um, going into politics? Um, what do you think? I think it's it's certainly possible, um, you know, because these these features are still there. I mean, it may be that, um, you know, with Trump, um, you know, if his if he winds up so, you know, doing uh, what it seems possible, you know, going down as a as a kind of very unpopular president, that it may may be a backlash against this. But even if it's not people coming specifically from celebrities, I mean, I think to be a successful politician, at least at the at the presidential level, you have to be, you know, a celebrity of a kind. You have to be kind of, you know, uh, you know, media friendly uh, in in a certain way. I mean, if you think of, you know, recent, um, you know, American uh, presidents. Um, you know, I mean, Obama certainly had that. Uh, he had a star quality uh, to him and he would appear on, you know, talk shows and, and the like things that presidents in an earlier period wouldn't, wouldn't have done. Um, that's not to say he wasn't a serious politician as well, but he was able to, you know, to, to, to do that. Hillary Clinton, I think, um, was obviously less successful in that in that kind of role. And, the, and it, it probably hurt her in the uh, in the presidential uh, race. So I think that you know, even if it's not specifically celebrities coming into the to the political realm, I think, um, you know, in this day, politicians, you know, um, you know, to compete in conventional terms need to have a certain celebrity. Now, I mentioned the backlash against that the, uh, you know, uh, it could be that that I think that's the attractiveness of someone like uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, for example, who clearly is, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, a, like a rumpled old uh, socialist who, um, you know, is not part of that, uh, you know, uh, world of politics. And I think as much as his policies, certainly, but uh, the, the, uh, the, the personal appeal of him was as someone who, you know, was an authentic politician who, you know, stood for policies and wasn't into um, just the politics of, of image. So, you know, it's possible that we, we could see a kind of a, a backlash movement against that as well. Uh, and I think we've seen that in already in Britain with, uh, with Jeremy Corbyn, uh, although Corbyn has been doing better since he got a media consultant agreed to, you know, um, dress himself differently and the like. <laughs> but uh, but nevertheless, I think a big part of Corbyn's appeal was that he was kind of, you know, an anti-politician, you know, which meant, you know, not playing along with these uh, uh, kinds of typical uh, media games. Very interesting. So perhaps if there is the backlash, it'll be more Bernie Sanders um, and Jeremy Corbyn's uh, in the future. Um, for all of us. Um, well, thank you, Dan. That was really fascinating and a really interesting um, new window to kind of try to better understand the Trump presidency. Um, with that, um, I'd like to thank you and please look out again soon for another episode of Trump Watch Sussex. <laughs>